0: Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hello. And all the way on Nantucket Island, vacationing his butt off, Matthew Kuhn.
1: Hey, guys. Mm,
0: must be nice.
2: A little lesser sound quality from Matthew today.
1: <laughs> yeah, and maybe on the whole podcast because I'm not there to keep things straight. So.
0: Yeah, Matthew thinks very highly of himself and his technical abilities here for the podcast, but we do appreciate him. So since Matthew wasn't here, um, earlier in the day, me and Michael had a chance to give Grandpa a call and uh, just catch up with him right before our first game of the season. Very exciting stuff. Hello. Grandpa, it's Michael. Yeah. What's happening?
2: Not too much. I'm actually here with Mark. We're getting really excited about the Browns this week, so we wanted to call you and
3: talk about it.
0: Hey, Grandpa, how's it going?
3: <laughs> you just caught me. I was just about out the door. What do you want to talk about? Well, it's
2: it's a real Cleveland Browns football game this week. I wanted to know yeah. how you're feeling about it.
3: Well, I'll tell you, they they probably couldn't have a tougher game to start with. Uh, they'll probably have their hands full with uh, Pittsburgh uh, I, my gut feeling is that if they win four games to be, that'd be a great season for them. And I don't think they're going to start with beating Pittsburgh though. Uh, I have, I have a lot of, uh, I like the way Mayfield has been playing. I I think that, I think that he's going to probably take over Taylor before the season's over. I really do. Because I think, I think he's, uh, more accurate. Um, He's he's not he's he could probably throw some some deep stuff but these you know that's probably well neither can Taylor he can't throw anything deep either but Mayfield is a probably could and he's he's more accurate that's and I don't think he can do anything get anything better than having a quarterback that's accurate you can have these guys who can throw the ball out of the ballpark but you know they they're scatter shot you know it could be any place <laughs> so.
0: I, I absolutely agree, Grandpa. So you're saying four wins for the Browns is a good season? That's like I knocked, think so. We're knocking it out of the park with
3: four wins.
2: Is that your <laughs> is that your guess? Is that your? I'm going to hold you to whatever that you say here. What is your official? Yeah,
3: I, I I'm going to give them four wins, and uh, I I think that's that's probably conservative. They might fool us.
2: I think you're burned from last year. What did you say last year? Like seven wins or something like that for the Browns last year? And they're infinitely more talented this year, and you're saying four wins.
3: Anybody can make a mistake. (laughs) They were very close to winning some games. They made some dumb decisions. Every time they got into the red zone, they'd fumble the ball away, throw an interception, they'd screw it up, but they had... They had very good chance of winning the two or three games last year. I don't know about this. Uh, uh, what's his name? The, the, the defensive back. The, the, the guy that's just coming out of rehab. Uh, that was his name, Josh Gordon. Yeah, he's he's just a, he's just another he's just one one uh, snort away from going back on the <laughs> uh, back in the rehab. You know, yeah, they think that he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna materialize into something. He's nothing but a junkie. And he's he's had too many problems for too many years, and they're probably uh, they're probably coddling him, hoping that he's going to come back and and be as good as he used to well, be for the couple of games he played. Well, Grandpa, and you know, uh, I have no faith in the guy. He might have a couple of good games, but he's going to fall off to the deep end before the season's over.
0: Well, Grandpa, you know what I always say: anyone can make a mistake.
3: <laughs> I think I just said that. <laughs> well, look at look at. He didn't even report the training camp because he was still trying to still trying to get clean. So he was still he was still snorting stuff even the start of uh, training camp. <laughs> and also, I mean, dude, this guy this guy's one snort away from going <laughs> off the deep end again.
2: <laughs> uh, okay, should- I want. Oh jeez! Huh? I want to bring the attention back to this football game. I'm too excited for this Browns game, and I think they're the Browns have more of a chance than you're giving them credit for. You talked about how the quarterbacks are so much more accurate. That's a huge thing we've got going on. Like when we get in the red zone, we will not be as apt to throw the ball away like we did in last year and in years past. So
3: that's in our yeah, favor. That's, that's right. And I also, they're going to they're going to have to they're going to have to be. Uh, uh, more, more disciplined in, in the red zone. They, they, they try to do too many things. Uh, it's uh, it's, 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 it's just too bad that they had so many bad breaks in the red zone last year. Uh, you know, you get these quarterbacks, some of them, they, 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 they hold on to the ball too damn long and you, you, you can't do that. You, you hold it. If you don't get rid of the ball right away. You're done. You know,
2: here's my other thing. So it's also a home game, which is always better to be playing in Cleveland than in Pittsburgh. And Le'Veon Bell hasn't showed up for the Steelers. And he's arguably their best player on offense, either him or Antonio Brown. Uh, So whether he plays or he doesn't play, I think the Browns are at an advantage because he hasn't been in camp. He hasn't been practicing. If he does play, he's going to be rusty and he's not going to be in the best shape. If he doesn't no, play, we don't I, have to you know, face I him. So he, I,
3: I don't know if he would be ready to play. I wouldn't think so. I don't know so. if they'd stick him in the game. But even so, he's still got Roethlisberger. You know, this guy, this guy is, he's, he's always been uh, a hell of a quarterback. Uh, and he's let him do a lot of games. And I, I think unless the, unless the Browns can get a really a, a damn good pass rush on him, uh, I think then, we will. Yeah, that's your way. They can really control this guy, but well, Avian bell is good. I you know there's no doubt about that, but even without him, you got to hell of a passing game. You
0: know,
2: miles so Garrett's going to take care of that.
0: It's going to be fun. Hey, grandpa, I just want to tell you, I think that the Browns are going to beat the Steelers this Sunday. So there's a, there's,
3: oh God, I hope so. <laughs> there's
0: a, there's a reason to have hope.
3: I hope so. God, against uh, hope and against hope. Uh, uh, they, they got, they, they do have some things going for them, you know, they're, they're at home. They, they're at home. they have got a new team. They got uh, they got a hell of a good offense. They got a running game and we got, you got, the, uh, uh, Landry, uh, what, uh, Callaway. And the and, snorter, uh, and, the, and the snorter, of course. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even figure him. I tell you, I'd like to see the guy come around, but I don't really have too much hope. Uh, That's fair. But, uh, I think, I think with the running back with with Hyde and Chubb and Johnson, and I think with a with a good aerial attack, I think they have a damn good chance this year.
2: All right. That's well, that optimism. We're, we're excited. We're never going to be more optimistic probably than right now. So uh, we're going to ride <laughs> it while we
3: can. Yeah. Well, I'd, uh, I'd like to see this Batonio uh, you know, take over his job there. He's doing a great you know, job so that? far. Oh.
2: Huh? He's doing a great job so far. So yeah. well, we're feeling good about it. some
3: big shoes to fill, but uh, I, I think that he's going to be all right.
2: I agree.
0: Us too. Hey, Grandpa. Um, I just oh. wanted to say I got your birthday card and I really appreciated it. Thanks for remembering me.
3: <laughs> oh, good. Bye. <Mike. laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Well,
0: it was good to hear from you, Grandpa. We love you. Uh, we can't wait to watch okay, the game with you guys. Okay. Love you guys too.
2: I'll see you soon. All right. See you, Grandpa. Go Browns.
0: Go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs> <laughs> so long. Bye. So just for all you listeners, in case you don't know, um, it was my birthday recently. I'm Mark, um, not Michael. He sent me a card. He addressed it properly to Mark, um, but he must have forgotten that he had done that. Grandpa (laughs) Grandpa was a little off on that entire interaction. (laughs) He couldn't think of Baker Mayfield's
2: name on about three different occasions. He was having a hard time coming up with Josh Gordon's name
0: before he completely, like, torched him, railed into Josh Gordon. Grandpa, not much faith in Josh Gordon. It made me laugh. It was not the best take, but it was very amusing. There's no doubt about that. It was not kind, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I it's, J- so,
1: it's so <sighs> funny to me. Why why would you have so little faith in Josh Gordon now at this exact moment? Like It, it seems like he's has less faith in him now than he has in the past four years and it just doesn't really make much sense to me
0: this is the most hopeful time to be josh gordon or or a josh gordon supporter
1: i completely understand not trusting him but (laughs) i mean the last like 12 months have been fine right
0: seemingly as far as we know um well nothing more can happen or else it's all comes crumbling down So a lot of things have happened in the Browns' sphere. We are ramping up for week one against the Steelers, which is a game that I got to say I am the most excited for this game than I have been for a Browns game in a very, very long time. A whole preseason, a whole offseason to lead up just to this game. Um, Hard Knocks came to its conclusion on Tuesday. Michael, what did you think of the last episode of Hard Knocks? It was fine.
2: It was fine. We were talking before we came on the and started recording. It was interesting the players they chose to profile. Basically every player that they chose to profile got cut, which <laughs> made the last episode fairly emotional and you know kind of, you know, had the built-in drama that HBO wanted. It was a real bummer though. But as a Browns fan, like you didn't get to see the inside look on some of the players that I'd like to see a little bit more of. We saw a bunch of guys that aren't even on the team anymore. I mean, um so that was yeah. a little disappointing and i get that's what the last episode is every single time is uh-huh. the is the cuts i was actually i've heard different takes on this in the last day or so as people have responded to the last episode and i tended to really like the way that the browns handled all of the cuts like the when they called him and it was elliot wolf LA on the wolf, phone yeah. Giving them a call, and he basically hinted that they were getting cut so that they didn't have to wonder, Am I getting cut or am the whole I making way the team? to the facility? Right. He'd yeah. say, Unfortunately, we need you to come into the yeah facility today. No, I do think that's great. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate that. Like, I would want the more straightforward approach like that rather than people showing up. Hawkins, Andrew Hawkins on the Tomahawk podcast that came out today, was saying that he thought that was ridiculous and that Elliot Wolf needs to refine his like, deal. And I was like, No. That sounds like exactly how I would want it to mm-hmm. be treated. What did, what did he want? He His opinion was that on that cut down day, when you get a call and you have to come in, a lot of times guys don't know whether it's a meeting to say, hey, you made the team, or a meeting to say, hey, you're getting cut. But to me, not knowing would be horrible. Like, I'm going to the facility and it could be one or yeah. the other. I'd so much rather know what I'm walking into whenever I to be able on the
0: way mentally prepare and be professional and be able to have what you want to say and like ask the questions that you want to ask and yeah get out there with on the right foot yeah like that seems one thing one thing that I was curious about was that John Dorsey was in no way involved in any of that process seemingly I yeah I mean like that was surprising to me and kind of off-putting if I knew that John Dorsey was the one that was making this final decision in general, um, not 100%, but I would think that he would be the one at least somewhere in the room. Or I know the head coaches normally tell the players, but. So here's an interesting thing. That's a really good observation and something that I did not pick up on
2: necessarily when I watched it. I wonder, though it seemed like they all were carrying out a piece of paper that was, like, their agenda, like, what I'm doing. And so they met with Elliot Wolf whenever they came in, and then they clearly had a meeting with Hugh Jackson, which is what was shown on Hard Knocks. But I wonder if those are just the only two pieces that they showed, and if one of the steps in their little walk through the building on their way out was meeting with John Dorsey, too. But that part just didn't actually... Get filmed. Get filmed and shown on Hard Knocks. For whatever reason. If I was defending John Dorsey, that's what I would say. Uh, But it did seem interesting that he wasn't really present for any of the talks even internally about who's getting cut or who's not. Like, it was kind of weird that that wasn't part of what they showed.
1: I feel like from previous seasons if i remember that the gms were involved i mean i remember the when the falcons were on hard knocks and
2: yeah they'd be in Dimitrov's office and mike
0: smith would be in there too Mike
1: smith would be the one basically doing the talking but they're in Dimitrov's office Uh, but he was sitting right there at his desk there to kind of chime in or answer any questions or give his two cents or encouragement whatever
2: I remember that season specifically too. And I remember how awkward those meetings were because (laughs) it was Mike Smith sitting there and he's a little awkward, but it was like also just the three person dynamic where it was like the one player with the GM and the head coach there. And it was like unclear of who should be talking and who had the final. It was just, there was tension all over the place. I was Mm going to say that I thought Hugh came off really, really well in all of those meetings he didn't beat around the bush. He yep. didn't like, he said positive things about the players, but he didn't say things that were false. But
1: like yeah. and he, that's where Hugh Jackson thrives. And I think that's been a, a benefit to him. And maybe the only thing that he does really well is the, the one-on-one relationships with players um, and being able to talk to them in a relatable way. He, he doesn't really do it with the media and he doesn't, I I don't see it when he's in front of a group, but when he's sitting down with a single individual, it seems to get a good response. Mm -hmm.
0: That's the players coach Uh, to your point earlier, Michael, that every single player that hard knocks featured ended up getting cut. that I don't think was their intention because they followed, um,
3: Nassib and Orchard,
0: Orchard, uh, obviously hoping that one of them was going to stay. And like, like we thought too, (laughs) like we definitely thought one of them was going to make the team and the other one wasn't. And they followed them both, and they ended up both getting axed. Um, what did you think about Hard Knocks, the season as a whole? So we've we been wildly anticipating this um, since it got announced that the Browns were going to be on Hard Knocks. Um, what, what, what do you think, Matthew?
1: Well, I'm just kind of disappointed. I, was, I mean, I get, my expectations were so high coming into this because the, I'd never seen the Browns on, on hard knocks. And so perhaps impossibly high, uh, ultimately my disappointment is in who they chose to, to highlight because I think there are so many interesting characters on this team. And I don't even care that the people that they chose to highlight all got cut. I just think there has to be more interesting people on this team. Who did you want to see more of? I mean, i Going into the this hard knocks before it started, I said I was interested to see more about Nijoku. Um, I would say I, I know for a fact that Joby has a super interesting story. Yeah, he didn't even um, know how, here. He, how he made it to the yeah. NFL, like, and I don't know anything about him as a person or personality, but like, there's just so many interesting people, and then the. Getting the behind the scenes of Josh Gordon's story, like he hardly appeared even when he came back. It's it's just a weird, oh, a, a weird, like, um, production decisions, editorial decisions Here's, made by yeah. the Hard Knocks team to feature
0: Devin Cajuce, Carl, Carl Nassib, Nate and Orchard Nate Orchard. Like, those were like the main three. And then they talked about people that are actually on the team now that they talked about. Are Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry, thus concludes the list. It.
2: So I, I think this is an interesting thought because as a Browns fan, I, we were super excited to see everything behind the scenes and like we want to see the like big time players that we know are going to make a difference on the team, and see it in depth. But HBO is making a show for the general public. They're not making a show for the Browns fans. So I think it's a lot It's a lot harder to watch this and be satisfied with the content of what you get when you're watching as the fan of that team.
0: We know too much. Yeah.
2: Already, yeah. Uh, and so I just think that's where the rub comes in. Grossi was um, not nearly as diplomatic as you. He was complaining left and right about as grossy is showed.
0: apt to do
2: um, in the final episode he was just hilarious to me and it was just like so it's like he's clearly never watched hard knocks before but he like took the opportunity to just rail on them for not showing hardly anything about the game or anything about the cuts or like about the players that we added and anything about Josh Gordon it's like the last episode's always just about the people so that got cut like it's just cut. hilarious
0: so, it's a drama, like it's about like focusing on these players and what it's like to be an NFL player on the bubble, pretty much like that's what the entire show focuses on,
1: yeah, and i I mean, I guess it's true. I mean, if you had to sit back and pick before training camp like who are gonna be the people on the bubble, who are gonna be the like highly contested position groups and whatnot, I mean that's a difficult thing to do, so if that's what you're going for. I mean, you're gonna miss sometimes. I just think there were so there's so many players on this team that have interesting backgrounds that didn't even get like touched on. I mean, Najoku was in there for like half a second because he dropped passes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they they showed him doing that. But
0: they I mean, did have that quick Kirko storyline where they talked about him and his music and church. Yeah, that yeah, was and that one. Seemed,
1: that seemed to like die. Yeah, it like, seemed like buddy, it was just like forced in there. they were setting that up to be, like, more of something. And, like, why did they have Kirksey on there at all? Like, he's, like, the most boring person in the world. He was like. just
2: named a team captain. What are you talking about, Matthew? He's a central figure on the Cleveland Browns team.
1: And that's fine, but it doesn't, like, it didn't, he didn't add anything to the show. Like, even even his, like, right down your why thing, like... They like featured it in one episode, and then oh, it and was it the thing
2: in kind of the last episode too. Matthew didn't get to watch all this oh, last was one. It? Sorry, it was the <laughs> final scene was Christian Kirksey giving a speech about the why at like <laughs> at, a church, yeah. <laughs> talking about how positive he is on the on the outlook
0: for the Browns in this writing upcoming down your why. It was really funny because they were at their church, and like <laughs> it was clear that like the pastor was interviewing Christian Kirksey, <laughs> and the pastor was wearing a Cleveland Brown shirt. Which was just (laughs) (laughs) it was hilarious. It was awesome.
2: All right. Let's put a bow on this. I, I will say that as it was wrapping up and the music started like to like begin the end of Hard Knocks, it did make me sad because I know for a fact that this version of the Browns will never be featured on Hard Knocks again. And it's gonna be a long time till we get this same sort of behind the scenes look of our favorite team. And so Now that it's over, I am sad. Even though there are some storylines, I agree with you, Matthew, I would have liked to see. Um, It was a fun ride,
0: and I I, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, too. I was so excited for it. I'm so glad it happened. I enjoyed it, but I have to say I'm kind of glad it's over. Like, I just, like, that last episode was a grind for me. It was just such a bummer. The emotional grind of the cuts? Yeah, all the cuts. (laughs) It wasn't, like, all the other episodes were funny, and they were fun. And at this point, I already felt like I knew the coaches. Like, it was, it was. I was ready for it to be over. I didn't need any more. I was satisfied. Um. So, talking about cuts, the Browns made all of their cuts last week, um, more than people anticipated. They also added five new players. What stood out to you guys about those cuts? Who were you very surprised that got cut? Who were you surprised that stayed?
2: I think my overwhelming emotion related to these cuts is sadness that the Pierogi Prince of Parma is no longer on our team. I, I, if there was one player at defensive tackle outside of Larry Ogunjobi that I thought was safe, it was Jamie Meter. I really had no thoughts about him getting cut. I just figured he was solid depth. I was surprised when they made that first round of cuts and Caleb Brantley was dropped and then they went the next level and dropped Jamie Meter too. I'm I just don't get what they're doing here. I think they clearly want more of a more penetrating defensive tackles and the one tech type run stopping tackle is clearly not valued right now in Greg Williams system, which is fine. But my issue here is that we really only have two players that have any familiarity with our system on the interior of the defensive line and that's trevon coley who's just getting back from an injury and larry ogunjobi and then we picked up some of these guys and so that's the thing that's killing me is just that we're picking up guys off the street which some of them are good like that dude we got from the ravens it's carl davis is that right yeah he's solid like that's a good nfl football player and yeah, I don't
1: started games for them in the past.
2: Oh yeah, like I don't mind swapping Jamie Meter for him. Really? Like if you just are looking at it, you know, objectively, but he's also not been in our camp and like hasn't worked with any of these guys and like it's going to take a while for him to be able to step in there and like contribute at a high level. And so it's interesting that we made that many moves at that one particular position. That was my, my biggest takeaway.
0: Yeah. Especially a position that we were thinking we need more people added to not taken away from. I was upset that we dropped Caleb Brantley, but I reading about it and hearing the mentality problem and that he was loafing. And that was like the main thing. Cause he does, he shows flashes of greatness, but he's not consistently great. Um, and that potential is what I was excited about, but meter just, that was baffling to me as well. Um, That oh, well. was pro- that was probably the thing but it it's the it's the heart of the issue Matthew don't bring any logic into this
1: <laughs> so I mean we've talked we've talked about the interior defensive line as being that I think it was last episode we talked about how surprising it was that nothing had been done to address that position group um, this offseason it wasn't great last year we got rid of Shelton's it didn't bring anybody in. Uh, noteworthy. Uh, outside of the draft, outside of free agency, this is the first chance we've had to actually address that group. Uh, and so when it got bypassed in free agency, because there really weren't many options, but they got bypassed in the draft because things just didn't fall that way or they chose to go in different directions.
2: Because they it took freaking Chad Thomas instead.
1: Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I'm not going to defend the Chad Thomas pick, but uh, given where they were, this is the first opportunity they had to to upgrade that group. And I don't think anybody was arguing that that group was great or solidified. So I'm, I'm not that surprised that we got rid of guys to take a chance to upgrade that, that spot. But Um, I
2: didn't feel like they had to get rid of all the guys that they did in order to upgrade that, that particular position. I don't know.
1: Well, well, I mean, you're going to have to, unless you're going to get rid of a guy like Chad Thomas, which I, have I mean, I'd be fine with cutting bait on, but that probably isn't going to happen if you go and spend a third round pick on a guy. You're not going to give up on him that quickly. Uh, and I'm, to be honest, I've, I've always appreciated Nasib and Meter, but these guys are replaceable. Yeah, like, they're just, rep- on, just on just on a talent level. So you You can't really get caught up and upset about replacing replacement level players um, to take a chance on getting getting some guys that are better.
2: yeah, no, i, I agree. If you look at it objectively, they are replacement level players. Carl Nassib the, had pretty much definition. reached his ceiling. Yeah. And, 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 although and i, hope, I, I hope, will
0: I will say. There was a play in Hard Knocks this last week that Carl Nassib absolutely destroyed, yep. absolutely destroyed one of our left tackles. Do you remember or right tackle? You remember who it was, Michael? Uh, it was Greg Robinson. Yeah, and, and
2: it was embarrassing. Actually. It was very embarrassing.
0: He picked him and up I off hope, the ground and put him on his back.
1: I hope Nassib can find another spot um, in this league. He did. Maybe in a he di- did. He's maybe on the Bucks. Did he sign with the Bucks? Yeah, yeah, he
2: got picked up by the Bucks.
1: Okay, good. I mean, I, th- I think he's a, a decent player in this league. I don't I don't think that he's garbage in out of the league, and I think Beater's a useful player too, and he'll find a spot. Um, but where we're at, where we're going uh, with the other guys that we have on the roster, I think it makes more sense to bring in a guy like Carl Davis or Ed Enigma. Is that how you say his name?
2: Yeah, but he's not uh, an interior guy. He's an end. He's an end, yeah.
1: No, he's a three-tech, I thought.
2: No, he's no end. The, the three tech is the guy we traded for from the Saints. The oh,
1: that's right. Yeah, that's right.
2: So the two guys De- we really added at the Lawrence, defensive tackle, Devaron Lawrence, Devereaux Lawrence, Devereux. 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 I think I'm it's excited
1: Devereux. about that guy. Devereux, yeah, that makes sense. No,
2: I'm cool with him. It, it. The way I look at this is, Carl Davis was the took Jamie Meter's spot, and Devereux Lawrence took Caleb Brantley's spot. That's yeah. That's pretty much what it looks like to me. And Devereux Lawrence seems like a a much better attitude-type player than Caleb Brantley with a pretty similar skill level is is what it seems like. Yeah,
1: a guy who wants it more. Yeah. For sure.
2: And I think that that was more, uh, and you've seen this over and over again with John Dorsey's decisions on this roster, he doesn't want a guy like Corey Coleman who doesn't have the best attitude or aptitude for being on the team. Yeah, I mean, like he just wants guys that want it and are going to do what it takes to make it happen, and yeah. I think Brantley's a guy that got cut because he didn't have that, and Coleman's a guy that got dropped because he didn't have that, and we saw it with Kenny Britt. It was the first thing that um, that Dorsey did whenever he <laughs> came on his GM. which I actually dropped Kenny that. It was, I, but it's yeah, a good it, point. It matters. There's kind of a
1: pattern. Of yeah, you're going to want to be here, or else I'm going to get rid of you. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Um, I'm surprised that Willie's yeah. made the team. I'm surprised that we I mean, like he did look he looked good throughout the preseason, but just like going into the preseason, I did not expect Willie's to be on this team.
2: But we always knew but, there was gonna be a six wide receiver. It was yeah. just a matter of which guy it was gonna be. And I and think it was
0: we, a roll of the dice to I
1: mean it could have been any of those three or four guys. It became I pretty
2: clear. I it became pretty clear by the end that Jeff Janis wasn't the guy. He did enough to lose yep. the job. I think he probably was the default sixth receiver Initially. and he lost the job. And so then it was like, oh shoot. Is it Willies? Is it CJ Board? Is it, you know, whoever else is out there. And Board got hurt. I wonder if he would have got the spot if he hadn't gotten hurt in that last game. But anyways, and also we'll the fact know. that we kept four
0: tight ends. Yeah, so let's, Like that's let's that's that. That. confusing to me. The,
1: so we got rid of Days, which we kind of saw coming because you don't really keep four running backs very often. We got rid of Vitaly, which he's injured. So we. Still I think have we see rights, Dan Vitali
2: before the season's over on the Browns we roster. Could,
1: we could bring him back uh, probably in conjunction with that decision to let those two guys go. We kept four tight ends, including Orson Charles. I think if everybody – if we had told – People last week that we were gonna keep four tight ends of a fifty-three man roster for week one, everybody would have assumed that Cajust made the roster. Yeah. And Orson Charles kinda of comes out of nowhere. Um,
2: Orson Charles gets the nod because well. he's played fullback in the NFL. And so he has the flexibility to, you know, line up in the backfield and play fullback. And so when Where you Where did he I, play fullback? I didn't know that. He's played it for the Bengals. He's he did? been like an H back, yeah, Ooh. in different roles. That's I don't fair. think he's good at it. So I don't know that it was the right decision, but, but still, I'd much
1: rather have Fels. Right, like, it's the flexibility. I think
2: Fells right? is going to do that first, but then in you know heavy formations, I think you might see an Orson Charles in a play or two, uh, yeah. and it, he's Hell, basically footage. taken Vitaly's spot. So I think once we establish that Devalve is healthy, I wouldn't be shocked to see Vitaly come back and take. Um, that spot from Orson Charles.
1: Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, hell, throw Oga out there in the in the heavy set as the H-back.
0: I'm all for
2: throw.
1: it.
2: Or Miles Garrett. I think he can play about yeah. any position. Matthew, you no, missed I this. Just, did you see I his – I not want him getting hurt. Did you see his – so if you didn't see all of hard knocks, you missed this one um, scene. But he's on the practice field probably way after practice with um, Nate Orchard. And, yeah, I heard about this. And he's asking Nate Orchard like about his stance on a rundown versus a passing down. And Orchard was talking about how he has a different stance based on if it, if he's like playing the run or playing the pass. And he's like, "Well, why don't have you ever thought about just using the same stance so that you're not like diagnosing it?" And yeah, so you're not tipping it right, which uh, is kind of an obvious thing, right? But then they practice it. And so Garrett lines up as the left tackle, and is you know doing some reps with Orchard. Oh, I bet he'd Pass be rushing. good. At you left should tackle. see his kick step. He is like pure form. Beautiful, beautiful. He gets back kick there step, so gets fast back and sets. Oh man,
0: and he looks like he wasn't even trying. It was unbelievable. I don't know why teams don't do that. You have an athlete like that. You train him up. Have him play both sides. Oh, they would die. They would die.
2: Against NFL talent, would, can you
0: imagine Miles Garrett? Get,
1: oh. They would get beat up so quickly. That's and true. Occurred. They would get
0: hurt so quickly. Is what it would be. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that would be awesome, no, though.
1: That's incredible. So other than that, I mean, I don't think there was that much surprising about the fifty-three man. There were some surprising names that made the fifty-three and then got let go shortly after. Like that linebacker um, who I uh, had Grace.
2: Yeah, who Jermaine Grace I, made no sense. I,
1: I honestly didn't even know that he was on our ninety man um, <laughs> until he made the team, and then but he he got dispensed of quickly in favor of I think Tanner Vallejo.
2: Yeah, he's like a he's like a special teams linebacker, basically. Cool.
1: Yeah, and then the only other surprise, I guess, is Reader got let go in favor of this Aaron Neary, who I think came over from the Rams.
2: Yeah. I'm a big Austin Reader fan, so Aaron Nery's gonna have to um, show me some things. But clearly, the front office likes this Neary kid. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. But again, it's yep. a, it's one of these situations where if if it's close, like why don't you just keep the guy that's been in the system? I don't quite understand. Like, do you see this? Ne- I I would hope that they think this Neary kid could be a starter down the line, and they don't think that Reader has that potential.
0: That has to be it. It's like you see a shelf on a guy like a ceiling and you don't think that he can get past the ceiling so you bring someone else and hope that they have the chance to. Even I mean, if they look the same right now. Yeah. That's got to be what it is. I don't see any other.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is how long has this Neri kid been in the NFL?
2: You're asking me questions I don't have the answers for, Matthew. You've been on vacation. You've had all the time in the world. Shouldn't you be able to answer this?
1: So he's been on a couple practice squads since 2016. Which, which is funny. He kind of just has like this Austin Reader. No, it's like the same player. It's the same player. The same dudes. Yeah, he's
0: 25, so he's super young. He hasn't been in the the league long. Yeah, this is my point. Like they
2: seem like the same player to me. I don't quite get why you move on from the guy that's been in your system for a year or two.
0: This is his fourth team in three years or two years. Since twenty sixteen, yeah. this is his fourth team.
1: Yeah, that's the one that doesn't doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me, but I don't I don't know that we're I don't know that we're losing anything other than just experience in the system. But mm-hmm. hopefully if all goes well, Neary doesn't have to play and it doesn't make a damn bit of difference.
2: So yeah. the one I think I the only one I think is going to make a significant okay, Carl Davis I think is probably going to play the most of all of the waiver pickups that we got. But I the
1: I heard but he's it the one I was just, getting, just about to bring it. up. Yeah,
2: I am really interested to see how much he ends up seeing the field in like pass rush situations. He might completely steal Christmas job. Yeah, could be. Um, and so that that's going to be an interesting one to see how that plays out as the season goes along. Well, I mean, in pass rush just- situation. I mean, we've got Jannard Avery we can use in that spot. Yeah. We've got Chris Smith we can use in that spot. We've got Odin Like, I mean, we don't have Nassib or Orchard, which I think is just kind of something we assumed one of those guys was going to be on the roster. So who is the next defensive end up after Miles and Agba? Who is the next guy? I think it's Avery.
0: Well, he's Avery's not a defensive not really end, a but end. but he's the pass uh, rusher. Like, yeah, but he, if you're
2: rotating through like depth wise on the defensive line, is another guy getting defensive end
1: reps
0: uh, rotating yeah. through?
1: I think it's probably Chris Smith. I
0: would assume it's Chris Smith too.
1: But then, I mean, it, it very quickly could be Odenevpo.
2: Yeah. So that's an interesting one, I think, to watch. And he's that's one where it seems like all Vikings fans liked this kid. He was a late round draft pick that overperformed, but they literally don't have spot on their team for him because they're so talented.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they, they, they cut Brian Robeson. They're like a longtime veteran defensive end. Right. Uh, they're just stacked at that position.
0: And right we got to pick him up. That's the benefit of being the worst team in the league the previous year. Yeah. That's it's amazing.
1: A, just as a general thought, like, I like that we use that. Waiver priority spot to get five guys. Um, if we sat back and thought that the guys we had in our roster were better than anybody else out there, I think that's ignorant. Uh, we're, we're trying to re- rebuild this team, and of course, there's going to be situations where players don't make other teams and can come and help your team get better. So, in, in theory, I'm all for taking advantage of that and kind of shaking things up right before the season. Um, I was surprised to see probably meter cut most of all, but it's kind of how the NFL works. Like it's, it's brutal and meter was a limited player. So it was only a matter of time.
0: Yeah. So speaking of cuts, the new Barbasol shave club featuring the premium ultra six razor Barbasol, the brand America has trusted for nearly a hundred years, a hundred years to deliver a close and comfortable shave. Visit Barbasol.com to join the Barbasol Shave Club today. If you want to use discount code BROWNS, you could save some money at checkout and get $2 off your shave kit order. Use discount code BROWNS at Barbasol.com today to get $2 off your shave kit order. You get a fresh, clean cut, just like Corey Coleman got from (laughs) the Bills this last week, which made me super happy. Cut. Get him out of here. Corey Coleman. So was he cut
2: because he couldn't learn the playbook? Was he cut because nobody liked him?
0: Like, I think these are both equally... All of the above. He... Oh, man. He was cut because he's a tool. He was cut because he has no work ethic. He has so much physical
2: talent, though. Like, he's still enticing to me as an NFL football player. He was cut because he was entitled. He was cut. Like, if he's... He already
1: knows our offense, right? Like, bring it back. (laughs) (laughs) He he, he doesn't need to learn a new one.
2: I mean, if we had, like, a major injury to, like, Josh or Jarvis Landry or Callaway even, he'd absolutely be the one I would want to have in the room. Oh, no, yeah. If
1: we need somebody to come in and actually play a lot, yeah, for sure.
0: No, it makes Uh, sense. And maybe – okay, so there's two ways that he could handle it. He could either come back and be salty as anything (laughs) <laughs> or he could come back and actually be like, you know what? I really need to step up my game. And I'm inclined to think that Corey's a salty one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I had could... to if I had to guess. Um oh, but it would be at, at a very very last minute. And I don't know whether to think that I'm happy that he was cut because we traded away him away for so little. And it just would have been so heartbreaking to see him have like a thousand yard season. That would have been the worst. So I guess I like that this is happening, but I also don't wish ill on Corey Coleman, per se.
2: It'll be interesting to see if he does latch on somewhere. I mean, he can't play on a practice squad. He's played in too many NFL games. I mean, he's... he's... And he can't... The, the real issue with him is that he has such a hard time picking up the playbook. Mm-hmm. So, like, going to a new team is not, like, an easy proposition for this guy.
0: And the real no. issue is that he doesn't want to play slot receiver like he he won't like sign on to a team and be like yeah I'll play slot. Like he's like no, I'm a one or two. Like I f- he might have to sit out this whole season, have a wake up call
2: and like refresh his thinking on what his NFL career is going to be and yeah. make it work somewhere else next year. Maybe he he's can got go. To.
1: Maybe he can go to Italy and play for Art Briles.
2: <laughs> Art Briles is coaching football, American football in Italy?
1: Yes. Yes, that's, he had to go that far to find a team that would hire him.
2: Uh, who plays American
1: football in Italy? I assume a bunch of Italians. But,
0: <laughs> but... Is it like a professional league? I think so. That's interesting to me. What do you think Could he's you making? Imagine? What do you think he's making
2: as a head coach? Oh, 25 it's grand? Gotta,
1: it's, no, yeah, something like that. Something,
0: I mean, it's got to be like Pe- pennies on what he used to make. That is. Wow. What That's a fall. Hilarious. He definitely could go do that um, and make like five grand. Um, so with all, with all these changes, our team looks completely different than it did at the start of week one. I think it's what, like 60 percent turnover from week one last year. Last year. It's absurd. Um, my question to you, Michael and Matthew, is how different would this team be if John Dorsey wasn't here and Sasha Brown was making all these calls? Would would we be in a better place or in a worse place? How different would it be? Sorry,
1: sorry, I'm reading this article about Art Brown's coaching in Italy. What's <laughs> <laughs> so the funny. Team, the team that he just uh, agreed to join yeah. went four and six last year in the playoffs or in the regular season. Uh-huh. Made it to the playoffs at four and six and lost fifty to nothing in the first round of the playoffs.
0: <laughs> Oh, my goodness. They need
2: an offensive uh, overhaul, and yeah. in comes Art Bryles.
1: Apparently. So
2: and someone that might look the other way whenever there's, there's uh, off-the-field issues.
1: There's going to be some offenses. That's, that's for sure. There will be some offenses. <laughs> no doubt.
2: So what Mark was saying before Matthew rudely laughed Sorry. and interrupted. <laughs> it's it's a Matthew's big,
0: not even paying attention.
2: It's an awesome question. The question is, like, Okay, we definitely have a completely different team than we had last year, but how different is it than what we would have looked like if we had stayed the course with Sashi Brown, right? Yeah. And it is interesting to look at how much turnover we've had. The quarterback room is completely new. The wide receiver room is almost entirely new. I mean, the only player we had on our roster last year that is playing – in week one from last year, I don't even know if we have any. Because Josh Gordon wasn't on our roster. Richard Higgins was like on the practice squad at the time. Yep. Literally, it's Antonio all new Carraway receivers. Yep. Our, our corner room is almost exactly the sure. same way because of body. Body's the only holdover from last year.
0: So I think that, yes, I think that ego plays a big part in, like, John Dorsey's decision to get rid of a ton of people and bring in his own people. And I think that same factor, while I like to think that Sashi doesn't operate under this ego centric mentality, I think that same factor would cause Sashi to keep players that maybe weren't working out the way that he thought they were going to be like a Carl Nassit, like a Carl Massett that he drafted those people I think would still be on this team because he's like, no, I picked these people for a reason and I still believe in the reason why I picked them.
2: Yeah, and one thing I think that Sasha gets roasted for is how he handled the quarterback situation, and I think the reason he handled the quarterback situation the way that he did was because he knew he was going to solve it by year three, and that he was going to make significant moves. So I I don't know that we would have had three competent quarterbacks like we do now, if you want to count Drew Stanton as a competent quarterback. But we definitely would have had the number one overall pick And as we a would have picked a quarterback. And we would have selected a veteran quarterback of some kind. So we might not have had Tyrod, but we might have had a Drew Stanton and a Baker Mayfield type situation with Sashi. And I have very little doubt that that would yes, have been the case. I agree. Um, but I think the biggest difference is what we were even alluding to before is John Dorsey's attention to what the locker room culture looks like and getting players in that have the right attitude. And I don't think that that was something that Sashi paid well, enough. enough attention to. Well, what
0: Sashi paid attention to was the people that hustled like crazy. Like because you bring in like Seth about Carl Nassib was one of those guys. So you just look at his tape and it's like, okay, he never gives up on the field. Except for those late round guys like Caleb Brantley where it's like, okay, he just has the, all that Well,
2: talent. no, they were so analytics driven and, and there are numbers. Scores, like, there are numbers that show that guys that play
0: all four years
2: like in college, like tend to do fairly well whenever they come to the NFL. That's like where Carl Nassib comes in. And it was either guys like that that you saw lots of, you know, you had lots of data on and felt like comfortable with their projection to the NFL as a solid NFL contributor, or it was guys with significant upside based on their athletic traits, like a yep. Corey Coleman. David Njoku. And David Njoku, those type of players. Um, and I think there wasn't enough... Attention paid to the harder to define qualities of putting a team together, like the attitude and the camaraderie, and the um, yeah, I don't and think all, Sashi of all of those all of camaraderie in any way, yeah. And that's why he and Hugh didn't get along very well because Sashi was thinking that's of all things Hugh. Very that's all Hugh white. thinks about. Um, but I do think that this team would look significantly different. Than last year's team, regardless of whether it was, Hugh, whether it was Sashi Brown or John Dorsey at the helm, I think yeah, it would have been a significant there's... overhaul.
0: Regardless, maybe not as I drastic. I think I, I agree. I think it would have been significant because this was like the spending time. This was like the time that was always set aside. That year three was the year that we were finally going to start prioritizing winning. Yeah,
2: I think we wouldn't have a Jarvis Landry. On our team, yes, and that's a significant piece that I'm pretty confident Sashi would not have jumped. Yeah, on. I
1: think I think we wouldn't have Jarvis Landry. I th- I don't think we would have gotten rid of Taylor. Um, traded him to Arizona for basically nothing. I think there's a couple quarters that we probably wouldn't have signed. I think uh, Sashi could think- have
0: convinced Joe Thomas to not retire. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
1: I, th- I think Kaiser would still be here. Uh,
0: yeah, that's what I think too. I think I it, think would, it have would have been Kaiser, a, a, a
1: veteran QB,
2: and the rookie and quarterback. Baker I agree. Yeah,
1: uh, and maybe it wouldn't be Baker, but
0: I it think would it be, would be. it be somebody. Uh, I still, I want. I think it would be Baker.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's hard to argue I, either way. I wouldn't be surprised if it was if it was Baker, uh, but I, I think there was going to be roster turnover regardless. I mean maybe maybe not 60% like it like it has been but I mean probably 30 35 40% right um, just because that roster last year I mean we we didn't deserve to be 0 and 16 with that roster but it wasn't a it wasn't a ready made playoff roster either that just got unlucky. so there's always going to be high volume turnover when you've got a bunch of young players and you're trying to build something from the ground up.
0: Yep. Um, So hopefully someone who's going to come into that wide receiver room, but apparently not starting Josh Gordon. What do you think about that? That Josh Gordon's not going to start week one. Did you see some of these quotes coming out on Twitter today? That was um,
2: quoting Hugh Jackson last year when Josh Gordon was coming in and people were asking the same question, like, will Josh start? And this quote was like, of course he's going to start. He's like the most talented player. Like, why would you even ask me that question? <laughs>
0: and this, this, is, this inconsist- year is... <laughs> I hope that like Hugh is actually like learning how to be a good head coach and he's made all these mistakes and he's, he's clearly changing. Like the way that he talks about, the way that he handles things, like his approach to the preseason. I just hope that he's yeah. changing in the right direction. Oh, but it makes,
1: no, it makes no sense. It's like on one hand, you've got Antonio Callaway getting in trouble. And playing every single snap as a punishment, which <laughs> makes absolutely no sense. And then you've got Josh Gordon with his well-documented issues, but he missed camp, like trying to make sure that he was in a good spot, like the team was seemingly supportive of it. And oh, he—he's not going to start. Um,
0: no, the whole thing's so hilarious. I, I think to it me.
1: sends it sends weird messages. It doesn't seem consistent. Like
0: it's not consistent.
1: I, I, I think it's just. I think it's
2: hilarious. So the thing that kills me is Hugh Jackson always tries to make it like I have the power and I'm making a point and there's a reason I'm doing this. Like, don't question me. Yeah. Um, And that's what kills uh, me. Most
0: unbecoming quality
2: in a leader. That's what kills me because everyone knows Josh Gordon's playing a decent bit. And so if Hugh Jackson just said he's not going to start the game, but he's going to play a good bit, no one would even talk about it. Like, it wouldn't be a big deal. You would know he's going to get 30 to 40 snaps, and it doesn't matter. And that's probably what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, it is what's going to happen. But I think what it is is Hugh Jackson trying to do what's best for the team as a whole and the players individually at both times. So the Antonio Callaway punishment, I think he was like, oh, I have to like do some sort of punishment to Antonio Callaway. And he's like, Antonio Callaway also needs a lot of reps. So I'm just going to pretend like that's the punishment. And then with the Josh Gordon thing, I think it's just what he feels like is the best thing for the team to not have someone just show up at the last minute and then be the starter um, for team morale and stuff like that. He's but just,
1: isn't, isn't he's, Josh Gordon the longest tenured Brown at this point?
0: Yeah, but definitely not the one who's played the most games.
1: Is he the longest tenured? I think so. Well, now with. Name, his... some, name somebody else who's been on the team since 2012.
2: The long snapper is the only one I would...
1: Uh, Hewlett hasn't been around that long, though. I mean, he's been around for a few years, but...
0: <laughs> he's the only one that I, I would I mean, after say. Meter got cut, that was probably... And, it was uh, Tank Carter. Tank Carter was for a while. Yeah. Tank
2: Carter was the longest tenured for a little bit. Anyways, okay. Just we- Interesting. What's next, Mark? We get to talk about the game, like
0: real football? We do get to talk about the game, real football. It's coming up. We're about to slide into our regular season programming, um, where we have all sorts of special segments. Um, But before we do that, this is the last game before the first regular season game. The last podcast. The last podcast. No, this is game. It's game time right now, Michael. (laughs) Um, So this is the last podcast before the regular season. And so we all have to go around and say what our season predictions are going to be for the Browns, what's our record going to be so we can make fun of each other at the end of the season. All right,
2: So, but here's the question. Should we do that, or should we talk about how we feel about this game first? Because they kind of color each other, right?
0: I think we should do the record predictions first because that's what I said, and I'm the host. I'm doing the Hugh Jackson thing. I'm the boss right now. And what I say goes...
1: All right. How dare you question me?
0: (laughs) And when you're sitting in this seat, I tell you what, when you're sitting in this seat and you're the head coach and you can make these calls, then I'll let you do that. But right now it's my call. Oh, Hugh. That's what Hugh would say.
2: So the record grandpa gave us his projection, which cracks me up that the team four is so 12, much. Right? So he said 4 and 12, which is probably not, it's a probably a pretty reasonable projection. I think Vegas has us at like five and a half or something like that right now. Yeah. So, okay, that's fine. Four is fine. But last year he was so optimistic, and our team this year is so much better than it was last year. Like Far and away. It's just funny to me. Anyways, Matthew, I want to hear your thoughts first. I'll go second.
1: It's tough because it's hard to know what to expect because on paper the roster is so much better, but there's also been all that turnover that we've talked about. Uh, we've got obviously the best quarterback situation we've had in a number of years, if not since like 1996. So you've got to feel good about that, but it could also be in flux throughout the season. I mean, we might see Baker Mayfield take over the reins at some point. Um, I think our schedule's tough. That's I the mean, part that especially, kills me. especially the way we're starting out the season at versus Pittsburgh and at New Orleans, um, but it, it always plays – the NFL is a weird thing where teams fluctuate year to year and a schedule that looks tough before week one, maybe at the end of week 17, you look back and you're like, man, that was pretty pretty cupcake schedule. Um,
2: I already feel that way a little bit looking at our, yeah, at our, our schedule. Yeah, from when it came out. From
1: when it came yeah, out. absolutely. So
2: um, I remember so, thinking those first four games were so brutal. and yeah. And no, like the, we only had one chance to win in was like week three against the Jets. And now look at the Raiders. Like yeah. the Raiders are our week four game. Like I think the Raiders are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I have no yeah. reason to believe they're going to be good. Yeah. So, uh, With, especially without Khalil Mack, I mean, it's just crazy now.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of things moving. I like, I like what our defense is doing. I believe that we have the the, the key pieces in place to, to have a solid defense um, at all three levels. Um, our offense is vastly improved.
2: Should be at least talent wise. I, I,
1: I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. I don't think we're really going to, at the end of the day, be challenging for a playoff spot. But I think we can go seven and nine.
2: Seven and nine. All right. Seven to nine. all right, can you name the wins, though? Like, have you actually looked at the roster and found seven wins? Because that's the part that's really hard for me.
1: Here, I'm going to name I'm, – I'm not going to name games that I think are – I'm not going to pick definite wins, but here are the games I think we can win. Yeah. Uh, week one, Pittsburgh. Three against the Jets. Four against Oakland. Uh, I think the Ravens are beatable. I don't like the Ravens at all. I said that every year and then they're always like, fine, and just destroy us. But uh, the Ravens uh, looks like week seven at Tampa. Yep. Uh, So that's four or five. We've got the Bengals. We can beat the Texans. Can we beat the Texans? I think so.
0: I don't know. You think we could beat the Broncos? Yeah. I think we could beat the Broncos. Look, I think Broncos, we could beat the Broncos before we beat the Texans.
1: The Broncos Case Keenum
0: is not have a good quarterback. Great quarterback play. Like <laughs> their defense is good, but
2: and their defense isn't as good as it used to be. It's yeah, not but it used to
0: be. Still a good defense. It's probably better than ours. But their secondary isn't as good as it used to. Be. Like they've they're like strong pieces have kind of whittled away over the last 2 yeah. years or so. Panthers yeah. are so hot and cold. I don't know. Maybe something could happen. Okay, so, I
1: but but part of the reason is I don't believe our division is that is as strong as it was like I, I look at all the games in our division except that week eight game at Pittsburgh and I think you know what we've got a chance to win that okay so if we if we pull out a couple of those and, and win a couple of these games against New York Oakland Tampa you know the you're, division you're is right the key
2: there. the division is absolutely the key and I Just don't know what to make. I'm pretty sure I know who the Steelers are. I mean, they're pretty consistent year to year. But Cincinnati and Baltimore, like, I could see either one of them, honestly, putting together a pretty good year. And if I had to put a bet on it, I would say Cincinnati before Baltimore. But the Bengals, the reason they sucked last year is because their offensive line was terrible. And they're not, like, drastically better, but their first-round pick was a center that's going to help them on the interior, and they picked up a decent, like, replacement-level average left tackle to start on the offensive line. And I just... They have enough skill-position players on offense to make it work. They still have Andy Dalton. But their defense is solid. Like, the Bengals, like, aren't a pushover. And I think that if we... I don't think we can look past them. And so I, the big swing to me is how we fare within the division. Because the, the divisions we match up with are tough. We, we face the AFC West and the NFC South. And all of those teams pretty much are solid.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's but just I, I also don't like Kansas City. I'm looking at Kansas City in week nine. I, I'm not a believer in Pat Mahomes.
2: Their defense is going to be rough. I don't think their defense has much to speak of at all on that team. No,
1: it's gotten stripped. I mean, you've got Eric Berry who survived every affliction known to man. I mean, he's probably like invincible at this point. Um, but outside of that, I mean, Justin Houston seems like he's always hurt. Taba Ali's not there anymore.
2: Um, yeah, they just, got I rid of Marcus Peters. I mean, like
1: I just don't like that team. Like it, it's a it's a bunch of risks, right? It's Sammy Watkins. It's Tyree Kill. It's
2: that Pat team Mahomes. all comes like, down really to how know. Pat Mahomes does. Yeah. It's really, that's what it comes down to. If Pat Mahomes can keep them afloat and uh, run that offense, they'll be in decent shape.
1: So going through, <clears throat> going through the schedule, I
2: see 12.
0: What is that? Are, Are you just there? Got a, we just got a Amber alert, so it took Matthew off for a second.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're calling that. That's
1: so funny.
0: Matthew, yeah. can you hear us? Yeah. Wait. Um, did, did we go out for a second there?
1: Yeah, I you it got silent for a
0: minute. I just thought you weren't talking. All right, if you happen to be in Tennessee and you see a Kia Optima that's white.
3: It's <laughs> there an was amber a, alert.
2: There was an amber alert and it muted the muted
3: you for a second. <laughs> um,
0: oh, well, give a shout out. To I, did, I did, I did. I don't know. I don't that's all the information. If you see a white Kia Optima in your middle Tennessee. There we go. Call the police.
2: Uh, moving on, Matthew. You said if you look at the schedule, you
1: said twelve. I see. Tw- I see twelve games that are possible for us to win, and we're certainly not going to win all of those. Uh, but I think seven and nine is is not unreasonable.
2: Okay, I'm less optimistic than you. I I'm scared of the division and us not being able to get over the division hump yet and i don't think we can have a decent season where we get to 7 and 9 unless we at least split in the division and i think i'm being optimistic by saying that i think we can go 3 and 3 in the in division in the division in the division and i'm not sure exactly where those wins are going to come but i looking at those 6 games i could see us winning 3 of them so uh, that i'm going to take that as the baseline
1: okay and then we just have to add a couple wins on
0: there.
2: Yeah. And I can only, I don't see us winning any more than three. And I'm really scared about the second half of our season schedule.
0: Were you saying we go three and 13? No,
2: three more on top oh. of the division game. Okay. So I say six and 10 is my projection. But here's the thing the wins that I see are on the first half of the schedule. It's the Jets and the Raiders. the Jets Raiders. and the Raiders. And the Bucks. Then the after the bye week, we play the Bengals, which I just kind of made my case that I think the Bengals are going to be better than a lot of people think. The Texans, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Bengals again, and then the Ravens in the
1: final so week. You're saying, so you're saying – so in your projection, you're basically saying we're 6-4 and four or 5-5. Five and five
2: Yeah, I think it's – we're going, going to be – r- the bye week. Right? We're going to be flying high. I think this is exactly how I see the season playing out. Or me flying high, I think we're like on the road to that's a That's gonna out. be
0: devastating.
2: I, no, I really think it's gonna happen, and it sounds like such a Browns thing to have happen is to be like riding high, comp, you know, up there in contention for the division lead, and then just get completely trounced after the
0: bye week. You're not wrong though. The second half of our schedule, like it'd be. So the Broncos, I, I'm not scared of the Broncos though. So I, that's that's my but my projection either, six and ten.
1: Okay. But even worse than that, like within your projection, we might be four and two and then go six and ten, which would be awful.
0: We oh, could be yeah. three we could be three and one within Michael's projection. Well yeah. Mark Mark, you
2: think like this first game I have, swings things significantly. I
0: absolutely do. I think the most important game in this entire season is going to be week one against the Steelers. Because the Steelers are like this monster that is in our line of vision at all times that we can't look away from. It's this Goliath that constantly is holding us down is the Steelers. And they're in our division. We're always saying, we just can't beat. like we're in this division with the Steelers and the Ravens. And I think that the reason why we lost all those games last year that we shouldn't have lost, there was a ton of games that we shouldn't have lost last year, but we did because people, the team gave up at the end of the season. If we beat the Steelers in week one, I think it's just going to inject so much life into this organization. It's going to be so good for our season if we win week one. Um, So I have two different predictions. Um, (laughs) I have, if we beat the Steelers week one, I'm going to say that we go eight and eight and barely miss the playoffs. Um, If we don't beat the Steelers, then I think we're going to go like three and 13.
2: Wow. Wow. That's a big swing.
0: Three and thirteen. You think they're that bad? I don't think we were that bad last year and we didn't win one single game. So and I, I really do believe that it's a mentality thing. And we towards the end of the season we just completely gave up. Weren't we didn't believe that we could win games that are close at the end. And that takes a mental toll on you. Every game towards the end when you're thinking, Oh, here it is, it's happening again. We're gonna lose again. It's happening again, we're gonna lose again. It it's a real factor. And I think if we beat the Steelers, then we will have gotten the monkey off of our back and we'll be able to play free and listen to everything that everyone's been saying about the fact that this team has talent and this team actually can win games and they'll actually start to believe it. I think the hardest thing about making
2: projections for the Browns for the season is that we actually have decent quarterback play and we don't know how to make projections for the Browns <laughs> when they have decent like. quarterback play. Like we don't have
0: any frame of reference for that. No, it is true. Tyrod Taylor took the bills to the playoffs last year. So well,
1: I, and, it's and so here's the thing. Here's the thing to support my, my optimistic viewpoint. We were supposed to win three games last year. Right. Um, statistically, like looking back on it, I have to think we're four games better than what we were last year. As four a, games a
2: is a huge jump, though. Like, teams don't jump four games better very often at all.
1: I don't know; they do it all the time. The, the, the Jags, Eagles the Rams, like, the Eagles, we're picking at the top of the draft. Those people have ago. good
2: coaches.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, but well,
1: we have some decent coordinators, or one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> our 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 coach isn't calling plays anymore. So, functionally, like speaking, he shouldn't be hindering us. Speaking of coordinators, I want to put
2: amos lee on the dartboard right now yes i already can tell that our special teams are going to be miserable
1: our special teams there we don't have the people either like i know peppers was a good return man in college he showed nothing and maybe that's the special teams coordinator's fault but he doesn't even seem like he's fast enough to like no he
2: shouldn't be returning punts but I'm not even even so worried about like the skill position players. Like our coverage blows in special teams, and like that's all coaching. I kind of just yeah. want them to can Amos Lee and let Josh Cribs run the show. I feel like we might be as well, so we'll much give him better. a try.
0: Might as well It'd be better. Can we also talk about Amos Lee? Like, what? That's not a football coach name. That's like a, that's like a folk country singer name.
1: Yeah, or like an author.
0: Or like yeah, an author. He's got a beard. He's got no authority, no respect at all, famously. Um All right, so we're on the record. We're on the record. Everyone, we got our predictions. I put two out there just to like cover my bases, so I could say that I'm right at the end of the season if one of the two happens. And Grandpa's the most negative of all of us. Well, I said, what? You, what? Grandpa yeah. said four and twelve. I said three and thirteen. If we lose uh, the Steelers yeah. game, so I don't know. Um, so we obviously have. Finally, dun-dun-dun-dun, it's here. Week one, Browns versus Steelers, the moment we've all been waiting for. What do you think happens, Michael Kinn?
2: I mean, we play them tough the last handful of times we played them, not even just last year. I love the fact that the team in Pittsburgh is pissed off at Le'Veon Bell. I just like that they're potentially um, distracted by that situation. I like that we don't have to play Le'Veon Bell at his best, regardless of whether he shows up or not for the game on Sunday. I think the fact that we're playing at home helps. I mean, if you remember last year, the reason we lost that game is because we had a punt blocked and they recovered it for a touchdown. Like, we would have beat them if that hadn't happened early in the first quarter. Week one. Who knows how many yeah. games we would have won if I mean, we had to beat them week one. I And that was with Deshaun Kaiser as our starting quarterback. And so that was in Cleveland, too. Like, I just think it's definitely in the cards for us to win. I don't know that I... I'll save my actual pick for the very end when we're making our picks. But I I think it's going to be a darn close game. And it definitely wouldn't shock me if we win. Um, I feel pretty good about it. The interesting thing is going to be the Todd Haley knowing Pittsburgh a little bit and scheming
0: against that. And I wonder how much of an advantage that gives us, if any. So it's, yeah, I think that it probably would give us advantage because he knows the players and he knows players' weaknesses and he knows things to exploit. Also, the people on Pittsburgh know Todd Haley and they know what he's apt to do, what he's prone to call, and stuff like that. But I don't think that's as... I think we still have the complete edge there. That is an advantage in our favor. Um, They're weak at linebacker. And so I think that, particularly with the Ryan
2: Shazier injury... Um, and so I think that it could be a big game for Njoku and the running backs for sure. So I'm looking for that. And I think we might be a little disappointed in the passing game overall after this game. I think they're going to play it relatively conservative. That's my expectation. At least
0: I don't care how we win as long as we do. That's my thing. Matthew, what do you think's going to happen? What are you most excited to see?
1: I mean, I feel a lot better about it than I did last last year. Um, I'm most excited to see. I think our running backs. I mean, on offense, um, I don't think we've seen the best of what we can do on the ground and catching the ball in the backfield. Um, but I say that, and now I think about our wide receivers, and those are going to they're going to be fun to watch. Um, having Landry, Callaway, and um, Gordon all on the field at once, it's going to be pretty great. I, I, we're going to be able to put. A team um an offensive package out on the field that is unmatched by any browns team in the past 20 years um talent wise and i don't even think it's close so that's going to be super fun to watch it'll we'll see if it all comes together but uh
0: oh, yeah, talent that, wise no i think talent
1: wise we're as good as as good as we've ever seen
0: and as good as most of the other teams in the league at every single skill position, depth at the skill position, all around the board. Like, I mean, that third
2: down lineup with Duke
0: Johnson as the
2: running back, Jarvis Landry in the slot, Antonio Callaway and Josh Gordon on the outside, and David, David and Joku. Joku as the tight end, that's,
0: that's saucy. nice. That's saucy. That's what I'd call that. Yeah. Um, I think that the most important thing in this game, and the thing I'm most excited about, is that Le'Veon Bell yeah. pro- probably not going to be there. Um, I kind of, w- I almost kind of wish that he would come back and play in the game, and not have any of the reps, and not be prepared he would not be good yeah. to play exactly like he wouldn't be good. James Conner's gotten all those reps and is ready to go, um, but just like that demoralizing factor for the Steelers, for all the other players, to just know that they could be with him on this team, but they're probably not going to be.
1: Yeah, it makes them much much more one-dimensional, yes. which, is, which is super helpful. I mean, James Conner is going to do fine carrying the ball out of the backfield. and I mean, that offensive line is still going to be able to open up the same holes that they would for Le'Veon Bell. That is going to be interesting it, with our defensive tackles. It takes the tackles. dimension out. It takes that dimension of the pass catching out of the backfield, that screen game that's so just – Devastating to everybody, and
0: that Greg Williams can't seem to figure out. Yeah. Um, so let's go on and let's preview the other divisional games that are coming up this week. So there's it's not just the Steelers. The Bengals are playing this week. The Bengals are playing the Colts, and the Ravens are playing the Bills. So this, Michael, is you're deal. really hot on these two, these two teams. Apparently, what do you what do you think happens? You think they so get two he, big ones? This is actually like just looking
2: at who these guys are playing. Like, how do they not win these games? I mean, the these are the two like possible easiest games they could have matchups they could have asked for. We lost The, to the Bengals Colts are playing last year. the Bengals are playing the Colts. <laughs> and like the Colts roster is worse than I think the Browns roster was last year. It yes. is miserable. The Bengals have to win that game, and the Ravens are playing the bills. So that this almost like adds to your point, Mark, about how important this first game is. I mean, you're either like we're already either in the cellar of the division, or we're like tied for the you know up there at the top with the uh,
0: these other two teams with the Bengals and the Ravens. I give the Ravens a higher chance to beat the Bills than I give the Bengals to beat the Colts. I think it's a surefire win
2: for both the Bengals and the Ravens. I'll be shocked if either one of them lose. I don't know.
0: I'm
1: with Mark on this one. I mean, I, I think the, the Bills. Colts are kind of a wild card.
0: I think the Given, Bills are so much worse.
1: Yeah, the Bills are the worst team in the league.
0: Yeah, I wanted I wanted uh, so bad. That's one thing that would be different if we had Sashi Brown. We would have the Bills' first-round pick next year. <laughs> and it would be that's the first true. overall pick.
1: That's true. And, and that would have been incredible. Um, I'm, with, I'm with Mark. I think the Colts are kind of a wild card. I don't think that that's necessarily such a, a surefire win for for the Bengals with Andrew Luck coming back uh that seems completely different when he's playing versus when he's on the sideline
2: AJ Green's gonna have two touchdowns and it's gonna be embarrassing for the Colts how many
0: over under three inter or Ravens defense gets a lot of interceptions over under four interceptions for Nathan Peterman He's playing, to, uh, He's playing a I'm full game. To, uh, no, He's playing play a full game. I
1: was going to say, i going to under. Because I think... I think uh, Five and I a half Josh last Allen, time he did it. I think Josh Allen starts at <sighs> halftime.
0: <laughs> that is probably a wise call. So, um, during the regular season, if you haven't heard, if you've just been listening to our off-season podcast, we like to go through, me, Michael, and Matthew, turn it into a little competition. We bet on all the lines of the primetime games. So, the Thursday night game, the Browns game that happens, which is a primetime game to us, of course, and the, um, Sunday night game. Um, so Michael reads off the lines. He does that dirty work every single week. And then we all bet. And then we add up the score at the very end of the season and we see who won. I don't even remember who won last year. It's not really important. Um, I remember, um, so we'll just move on. Um, so who do you, who do you have Michael? It is a clean slate though. So there's no reason to dwell on the past.
2: Um, are you going to bet with your coin
0: going forward? I will say, if you are just a new listener, um, I wasn't doing so hot at the beginning of last season. I'm not going to lie. And so I instituted a new strategy. I realized I would be doing better if I just randomly guessed by flipping a coin. So that's what I started doing. And I immediately started doing better. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing how that
2: worked. So w- I- I'm interested to see what strategy you employ. But w- the way we do this is we go game by game and we go around... And so the first game's Thursday night, Atlanta at Philadelphia. The current line is Philadelphia favored by one, which just is super interesting with Carson Wentz being out, Nick Foles not looking very good this preseason. Um, I personally can't wait to watch this game. Matthew, what is your pick? Are you taking the Philly side or the Atlanta side here? You
1: know, I can't believe this Eagles team. I, I can't believe Nick Foles won Super Bowl MVP because – Ever since in the preseason, he hasn't looked good at all. Um, I've got to take the Falcons. I think the Eagles are going to kind of come off this this Super Bowl hangover a little bit. I like the Falcons. Falcons are a good team, good offense, going to put up points. The defense has improved. Um, I'm going to take the Falcons. In this game, that's essentially a push.
0: All right, Mark, what's your pick? I'm going to take the Eagles. They're the reigning Super Bowl champion and um, specifically the fact that they've proven time and again that they can win when they're missing pieces. Throughout the entire playoff last season, Nick Foles played amazing in the playoffs, played amazing in the Super Bowl, won Super Bowl MVP. Just because he's playing bad in the preseason, that's not going to change my opinion of who the Eagles are um, and who Doug Marone is. I, I just Doug Marone? Doug Peterson? Doug Peterson, sorry. Um, I just think that they're, they're going to be able to win this game, and they're going to win it by more than one point. So I'm with Mark Eagles. I'm going to pick the Eagles. I think that a big reason why Nick Foles has looked
2: bad is that they haven't had many of their skill position players at all. And they are so good at scheming and putting their players in the right position to succeed. And you just don't do that and show all of your cards in the preseason. So I'm going to rest on what they showed during the regular season last year. And I also just really like the Eagles defense. Um, So I'm going to go with Philly especially since this line has moved. It opened at like a four-point line, and now that Wentz is out. I think it moved down all the way to one. So I like the Philly side of this one. Um, And that brings us to the Sunday night game, which is Chicago versus Green Bay, where the Packers are favored by seven and a half points. Chicago featuring their new star and very expensive linebacker. Khalil Mack, and Green Bay with their very expensive new quarterback, Aaron Rodgers.
0: I Making some I, dollars in I this game, those two players are. One of those was a better investment. <laughs> uh, I think those were both pretty decent investments. but um, I don't have a problem with either of them, but I would rather have Aaron Rodgers than Khalil Mack on my team. All right, Mark, I'm going to let you pick this one first. The line is seven and a half, Green Bay. Um. I'm going to go with Chicago. I obviously like Green Bay more, but the line of seven and a half, I think that there's a very good chance that Green Bay just wins by a touchdown. Um, and at the beginning of the season, that's a pretty big line. And at the beginning of the season, you don't really know what you're getting. You don't know. Matt Nagy in Chicago, who knows what's coming. I just, the line is so big that I'm going to go with Chicago. Matthew?
1: Yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to take Green Bay in this. I mean, I, I like the addition of Khalil Mack in Chicago, but it's brand new. I think it's going to take a while to get the full Khalil Mack effect and integrated into that defense. Um, I think he'll be able to rush the passer early on, but to get um, the full impact that he has will take a while. And frankly, I don't really like many of the pieces that Chicago has on that defense outside of Khalil Mack.
2: Roquan uh, Smith?
1: Chicago's I mean, I defense th- was I th- good well, last year. Well, I think they could turn into something really special, but Roquan Smith's a rookie who missed a bunch of camp, so I don't know what he's going to be. I I don't really like Leonard Floyd. I didn't like him coming out, and he missed a bunch of his rookie season too, so I'm not really scared of him. I I just don't know what they have to offer that's going to keep Aaron Rodgers from just torching their defense. Um, And I mean, they do have some nice offensive additions, but – I think at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is the highest-paid player in the NFL for a reason, and he's going to pull this one
2: out. See, but I think Green Bay's offensive skill positions aren't as good as they've been in
1: years past. They oh, did... it doesn't matter if you have Aaron Rodgers, though.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I th- I'm with He made Mark. Jeff
1: Janis look good. He made Jeff Janis look good.
2: In the preseason, maybe. Um, Jeff Janis never got to play any other time. At any rate. Um, I agree. Line's too big. Seven and a half. I'm taking Chicago. Um, so this is either going to swing really heavily in Matthew's favor or really <laughs> poorly. Uh, really poorly. We'll see. Which brings us to the final game, the last game we always pick is the Browns game. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Browns are or the Steelers are favored by four points. Give it to which me. this line started at seven has come all the way down to four. So
0: um, the hard knocks effect is. It's, know, real. It's, it's real. It's <laughs> real. Um, I'll go ahead and start it I think the Browns are going to win this game. I said it before on the podcast. I'm going to say it again. I don't think that we're just going to lose by three. I think that we are going to win this game. I think that we're so much, exactly like everything you guys were saying, we're so much better than we were last year. It's a new, fresh energy, a new, fresh drive. The slate is clean. Everyone wants to prove themselves real NFL Talent, not a laughing stock anymore. Like, I can't imagine any more drive to win a game than this game against the Steelers that we have. The Steelers are just coming in and they're playing like they play every game. We're playing with something else because we need to win this game. So, Mark's picking the Browns. What you got, Matthew?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, this line started at seven, it's creeped down. Um, Levy on Bell's likely not going to play at all, which I think has an effect. And plus, the Browns don't really lose in blowouts. We lose close games. We're always there. So I'm going
2: to take the Browns plus four. Go Browns. We're all. You can't start a season and not be no. optimistic and pick against the Browns. They might not even win this game,
0: but they're probably just going to blow it at the end if they lose it. Yeah, lose by one, maybe. We're going to miss a field goal at the end.
2: Yeah, no, I'm super optimistic. There's no way I'm starting off this season picking anything other than for the Browns. So go Browns all the way.
0: Strong 1-0 start yeah. for our Brownies.
1: <laughs>
2: Let's
0: go. And, and to,
1: to clarify, Michael and I both did not specifically pick the Browns to win. We just, we just picked the Browns against the spread.
0: Correct. I picked the Browns to win. Go Brownies. Um, that is going to wrap it up. Um, moving forward, we are going to be recording on Monday nights. So the next night after the game, we are going to rewatch it. Watch the footage in depth so we'll be able to talk about it a little bit more intelligently and bring it back to you play by play. Um, Maybe things that you miss, maybe things um, that you want to hear more about. If you want to hear more about anything on this podcast, just let us know. Uh, Send us an email, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Tweet at us, at sinofourfathers. Or you can just tell us what you want to hear by leaving a comment on our podcast page. Um, Everything would be appreciated. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and go Browns week one. Here we go. Let's go. It's exciting.